The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Welcome to a very exciting episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while. And with me for this episode is, you may know him from Instant Replay Live, Joe Wetmore is here. I'm a nerd too. You are a nerd. I'm more a, than a just a video even. game. Yes, not even just video games. Yeah, uh, I, well, so yeah, Instant Replay Live was video games, but I've also, uh, we've done some, you know, I've been on other podcasts. I might even be a regular on Ward Games podcast soon. Look at that. That's, you've been on GUI a number of times I've been well. on GUI as yeah. well, and we've we've drunk and discussed wonderful things. Yes. And uh, now we're here to discuss something very near and dear to my heart, and uh, I assume yours too. Actually, it's the first time that I've ever heard of this property whatsoever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely not like something I would absolutely get tattooed on my body. Right. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not one of my most beloved nerd properties of all time. We're talking about, of course, Andromeda. I thought we were talking about Babylon AD starring uh, Vin <laughs> Diesel. I thought... I thought that was we're uh, not. Is that we we crossed wires somewhere? I, we must. Yeah. yeah. Should we reschedule? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> There's one person be like fucking Babylon AD. That's right. That was a movie. Um, no, we of course are talking about the beloved uh, movie and TV series Firefly and Serenity. Too soon. <laughs> yeah, it's, all of it's too soon. All of it is too soon. Um, we we are gonna be digging deep into what we want from a. Series, or, or if we want to do movie. That, I was thinking as a series. I was but. thinking as a series as well. So that's, I think we're on the same end. But we, instead of doing a direct reboot, because that just doesn't feel right. You can't recast Mal. No. You can't recast any of them, really. Not really. Uh, this is more of a series that takes place within the verse that is uh, the Firefly verse. So it's going to be new characters, maybe some characters that you saw from the original series as well, thrown in for good measure, mm. uh, and just kind of building out that world that was created and and developed by Joss Whedon and company um, that we've come to know and love through Firefly and the movie Serenity. Nice. So I'm uh, I'm very excited to get into this. and uh, I'm hoping, I think we might have really different directions, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. That's the best. That is the best when we kind of go just different routes. Uh, the way we do this for anybody that's unfamiliar with Smack My Pitch Up is we... Basically, pitch an idea of what we would want to see done for a reboot, remake, uh, reimagining, sequel, sidequel in this uh, in this circumstance or uh, adaptation. And we talk about who we would cast, who we'd want to be a showrunner or director on the thing. Basically, our idea on how it would be best done and also possibly worse done. We have our uh, our funny take, our, our interesting take on the thing. And I, 
I think that's a brilliant setup. But I mean, I guess this is just talking meta about the show here. But it's so <laughs> easy to like devolve a conversation. You almost want to be able to, as a nerd, have that serious conversation about this would be like a really dramatic take on this universe. Then also, it's like it's so much fun to imagine the the zany side of it, like the anything goes side. So. Well, that's kind of why we did it because I do want the opportunity to talk about my ideas as a fan mm-hmm. on how best it's going to be portrayed as a reimagining or yeah. a sequel or something. But on the same end, that doesn't really lead to riffing very much. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. being really serious about the thing you love. So being able to do both where you're just being like, I don't know of uh, fucking Uwe Boll does fire. Right. Fly, you know, like well, the, you know, I've heard podcasts do it before or YouTube shows where they like, let's 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 imagine, you know, the recasting of this of, of DC Universe or whatever. And it's just really, really wacky casting. And it's like, I, I kind of want to hear the hear, hear genuine thing. But also, like, it's funny. So I, I think it's a good balance. Yeah, you've done I here. think I think that's kind of important to get a little bit of both so that you can have fun with it and just imagine how oh, that would be an incredibly poor decision to do it that way. And then you also get your actual take on it. So and part of the reason why I'm being and you're being so thoughtful about our approach to this series is because it is I mean it's beloved up there with like Star Wars and Star Trek mm-hmm. and Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica and- I think I'd probably put Firefly above Star Wars for me wow and pretty like honestly I, I'm probably on the same level as like Star Trek next generation Star Trek maybe. wow okay um okay. I I really like that that particular series I don't like all of Star Trek I'm kind of lost with Star Trek now yeah like, it's just not for me anymore but uh uh, I, I, I think, uh, I guess weirdly that means I put Trek over Star Wars as well. This is a really big moment for me. I'm realizing in my, like I've never really compared the you, two. You like never that. had to tear your nerddom before. Yeah. yeah. Oh my I, gosh. There's going to be just people shaking their fists. Yeah. Like everyone's going to be angry with you except the Firefly flan- fans who are even just like, bro, <laughs> you know, we love Firefly too, but really? Yeah. It's, I mean, the yeah. Trek fans are really the ones who are just like crying right now with, yeah. with their Klingon outfits that they can't wear anymore. Yeah. Crying logically yeah. <laughs> in their cars as they're driving down the road. There is no emoticon for what I'm feeling. <laughs> but what is it for you that made uh, Firefly such a special show? Uh, so it's uh, something that I think that I've thought about like in a lot of the shows that I love a lot, I actually kind of think about game of Thrones. when I think about why I love firefly and it's because both of those universes are so immersive. They're, they're both like firefly is a little bit more ridiculous. You've got horses and you've got spaceships, but it feels lived in. It feels like a real world. The characters are tangible. The settings are tangible. The, the shots don't just, you know, focus on a few important items in frame. There's tons of stuff going on in the background that makes the universe feel fully realized. And I think, you know, I feel the same way about Game of Thrones. I feel the same way about like a show like Farscape also, which is my favorite sci-fi show of all time. Um, And I really like being immersed. I like the escapism of TV. I like becoming attached to characters so I can escape to another world. Sure. And Firefly just has that perfect immersive quality for me. I uh, absolutely agree with you with the immersion aspect. And I think part of the reason why it's able to do that so well is not only just the acting Mm -hmm. that's involved and the, the set dressing is just unbelievable on if it's not it's not tv show level quality it is movie quality the amount of uh just attention to detail that they put into this show what's what happens when you get like people who love their job and yeah like, this is the thing that i want to do that they really want to get yeah. in there and, and figure out how to put every little tiny minute detail putting in. you know like christmas lights on kaylee's door on the on the spaceship yep. and things like that yeah but also I think the way that it was shot was very important too. It was Joss knowing that he wanted to incorporate not only just the spirit of the old Western into sci-fi and make a space Western, but also kind of the the feel of, a, of an old Western movie or TV show where stuff isn't like perfectly in frame. It's off to the side. Yeah. There's zoom ins. There's uh that's out of contrast. Yeah. Just sucks in all of a sudden stuff that had never been done 
in sci-fi before. Yeah. And was primarily stuff that you saw in old gritty Westerns where it had this kind of lived in feel, this very kind of like down and dirty in it kind of almost war movie type of feel to it. And it got pushed into Firefly and became part of almost like uh, the narrator of the story. I I think, I guess, I guess I, Battlestar Galactica maybe got it from there because I'm trying to think of other shows that have done it. I, but I remember like the zoom ins and zoom outs, and yeah. the you know things that are just like you you kind of forget about them as you're watching it unless you're like a really I don't know maybe like a, a filmmaker watching it and like thinking about all the techniques. But yeah, there's a lot of like small touches that just let you kind of feel like not quite found footage, but like it's it's like towards that that realm. Yeah, of like frontier filmmaking kind of where it, it doesn't feel like it's uh just on a skate like going yeah. back and forth it, it's there's somebody there's some organic uh, element to yeah. the to the filming process and that really gives it the you know the camera is kind of the narrator of the story and so if it feels very organic and natural in the elements yeah. uh, then then it feels like a natural story being told as opposed to this like very organic. hard sci-fi kind of like cold uh, approach that a lot of sci-fi has. Well, and I think it made sense almost on a show like Enterprise. And there's actually a great quote about how Firefly is, you know, Joshua was like, what about the other guys who weren't on the Enterprise? The guy they, the guys they blew past, you know, yeah. and left behind. But on the Enterprise, it was like, you know, it was very orderly, you know, everybody's in uniforms and they're all mm-hmm. like, you know, and so it made sense for it to be almost kind of static and, you know, clean cut. Sure. And it mostly was. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's a very different vibe. And I, I think, you know, I mean, oh, we we could gush about Firefly. Oh yeah, more, I absolutely. Guess, we do have a thing to do here. Yeah, right? no, there is a thing that we do have to do, and that is our our coming up with our own ideas uh, for uh, for our in the verse of Firefly, but new new stories, new characters within that universe is what we're talking about doing. So the way we're first going to do this is that we kind of go over our plot overviews, uh, kind of what we think we want to do with the, our stories, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, let's go with the serious one first. And so if yeah. you want to start talking about characters and stuff whether they have names or not, um, just kind of what the story is built around. Then you can, then we can start getting into who we cast for the characters. All right. You so, want me to kick it off though? Yeah. If you want to. All right. So this is going to be uh, a little different than I think maybe you're expecting. Okay. So I decided to not tell from the perspective of cowboys, the, the rough double, I decided to go with an Alliance patrol ship. Okay. So we're, we are going to be on the, but this is, you know, they are going to be going out to the edge. They're going to be, they're going to be, um, you know, patrolling. They're going to kind of be facing a little bit of, we're out to here to do good things, but you know, when people kind of resist us, you know, they're going to have to face the moral question of what is the Alliance good in Firefly. We always saw the Alliance is pretty bad. Most of the time, like sure. they were always the antagonists to the crew. So you're talking about doing what they did with the karate kid on that series on YouTube. You know, but I didn't like, think about that, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Cause, because the Alliance, I mean, but I do have a, a place that I want to get to sure. where, where it ties into Firefly. So the first season you have this crew and I think early on, they're going to be more optimistic, more, you know, we're doing the right thing right here, but they're going to come into more, more and more conflicts over the course of the series that are going to make them, each of their characters will have to, you know, come to terms with certain things about themselves. And, as they're beginning to question the, you know, what is right with the Alliance at the end of season one, a certain signal is going to go out and they're going to learn something about the Alliance that happened in the Serenity movie. Oh, so it's like, it takes place. You don't it's really a, get a, a timeline point. on yeah. it. And yeah. the, but then that kind of pulls it into what exactly happened. Right. right. Oh, I like it. Yeah. It's almost like uh, in Ant-Man and Wasp where you're not really sure what the timeline is along right. with the Marvel universe until the end. And you go, oh, oh yeah, 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 I get that. Okay. Uh, and I, I just, like, you know, I think Serenity is a weird end point for Firefly because it does have like a, oh, 
that's kind of cool. It's like an optimistic, like, now people can kind of see the truth, but it's so open-ended. And I was thinking, you know, that's, to me, that's the clear jumping off point of, like, that's the big thing that Firefly got up to. I mean, character stories aside, plot-wise for the universe, the big thing that happens in that show is that it's revealed that the Alliance created Reverse. Um, And so I thought the most interesting perspective for that would be a crew, an Alliance crew, that's questioning, you know, their position in the universe. Sure. Facing a really bad truth about the Alliance. And then, you know, from season two onward, I haven't thought that far, but that's, you know, that's a playground. Oh, there's, yeah, there's so many directions you can go where anywhere from mutinies to, uh, to the entire ship making a decision together that may not go against the entire. Well, and my, I, I cast my second in command specifically because I wanted somebody who could be the, no, the Alliance is right. And he's going to be, you know, the captain's going to kind of come around, but the second in command is going to be like, no, we need to, we need to report back to the Alliance and, you know. We need to, you know, stick stick on their side. So I wanted to have those split allegiances. You wanted the, the guy that goes by the rules. Yeah, yeah. Whether or not they make sense or not. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. You got to have those kind of characters, which they've ha- sprinkled those in in the Alliance characters in the original series as well. Mm-hmm. The episode that I was watching before we started, where the Reavers had gotten the ship, and there's the one dude that is kind of becoming a Reaver almost mm-hmm. um, from dealing with dealing with the Reavers. Right. There's one Alliance patrolman on there that is very like. Very, right. very by the book and, you know, he's, hey, we got to do it by the rules, you know, so that those characters are definitely make sense within an Alliance storyline. Mm-hmm. And I think it also, you know, it comes with a little bit of the Alliance. Whenever you get to meet an Alliance character, they always feel like, or a central planet character, really. They always feel a little bit like a fish of, out of water, you know, on the, out on the border planets. Okay. And so you've got that, like, I, I feel like, you know, maybe not everybody, I mean, I'm sure some of them can be. Um, you know, you know, I think the captain is an experienced guy in my mind, but maybe you have some rookie characters who are like, I'm going out to, you know, do good on the edge of space. And then they're like, oh God, the edge of space is terrible. And, uh, and then I did want to have one, like, they're going to come to these planets that are like, we need a, a local guide here to be, to be our, you know, like our, our navigator for the, the crime syndicates here. So I want one cowboy character to kind of be like recruited mercenary to buy sure. the ship. Um, because you've got to have somebody. You can't have all stiff characters, all stiff alliance characters. No, I needed to have, you know, my cowboy character for a Western show. Okay. But it's still, you know, so, I, uh, yeah, we, we can get into more. Let's go to your concept. Let's hear, okay. Let's hear yours. Uh, my concept, I was really trying to figure out exactly how to go about instilling some kind of feeling of, of uh, connection with a, a new cast of characters. Because, I mean, if you're anything like most firefly fans you feel almost like familial uh ties to the characters on the on the serenity they are they are not just characters on a tv show it's like you understand each and every character deeply you understand even though you know jane's a little rascal you love him for it right they all feel like siblings yeah they do kind of and uh and you kind of feel that way about them so having that level of depth of appreciation for characters it's really hard to find a way to kind of dive into that with a mm. new crew and i figured kind of the best way to do it is take advantage of one of the things that sucks about firefly that there's only one season and use that as a means to uh kind of create kind of like doctor who did where the person who played the doctor could no longer play the doctor so they came up with regeneration as a means to explain it mm-hmm. each season is 
connected with every other season, but it interweaves through different casts of characters from a different part of the verse. So they nice. interact with each other. Almost anthology-like. Almost anthology-like. It's still within the same storyline. There's still yeah. the same stuff happening, and they might interconnect within each other's stories. Maybe one character ends up in another crew after they've been separated. And that's kind of that's kind of my jumping off point for this, is that that's this cool. this is going to be taking place um, about 13, 14, about 14 years after the uh, events of Serenity. Yeah. And I did that not necessarily because I need to maintain the timeline in a show that takes place in the future so much as I wanted the characters to grow as the people that watched the series grew. Yeah. So you don't feel like you're watching, you know, two months later that I wanted it to be like they have grown up. They have changed a little bit. They have developed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went with a uh, captain, a, a captain that we had seen in the Firefly series very briefly. The uh, is it going to be the guy who caught them in the net or or, or they, were, they were um he gave Mal the part is that nope okay okay no 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 this is actually somebody that Mal and uh, and Zoe fought with as brown coats back in the day ah. uh, their their buddy Monty who ended up marrying uh, Saffron uh, nice. back in the day nice now if you remember from the episode I think it was Trash was the episode that Monty was in I I don't I don't think it actually I just watched it last night yes it is the, it is the trash, episode yeah. Trash that. He was this gentleman that was this big burly man that Zoe called a Sasquatch and he was bald with long hair and he had this stupid looking mustache, but he normally had a beard, but he shaved off his soup catcher because the wife didn't like it. Yeah. (laughs) So this is 14 years later. So he's like his head shaved. He's got a bit his big burly beard. He looks a little bit less 90s (laughs) with his look. He's still this burly son of a bitch. uh, Very jovial, but you don't fuck with him. Mm -hmm. Not the smartest dude in the world. But uh, he's he's running this crew. And basically, this is about 14 years after everything hits the fan with the Reavers and everything else like that. And in the storyline of Firefly, Blue Sun, which is this corporation that basically controls almost everything. In the background. In the background. <laughs> yeah. Is kind of almost in control of the government. Well, the government gets the primary brunt of the blame for what happened on Miranda in Serenity. And... So after years of like uprisings and people pushing back and everything, most of the people from the original government have been pushed out. They've created more of a council that includes the Outer Rim planets a little bit more. And it has allowed some of the people that were ready to revolt really kind of settle down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But there are some outliers like uh, that that have refused to put down their arms that are still ready for the revolution because they know that it's really Blue Sun that's been pulling the the strings the whole time. And they've used this as an opportunity to basically com- take completely take over the government. So it's a full puppet government now run by blue sun and, uh, and Monty and crew are when we saw them in firefly, they were doing mostly legit work with occasional, not so legit work. And uh, this is why uh, Zoe and her child uh, go to work with Monty, because if you know the, comic books at all uh several of the comics showed that zoe was pregnant uh right. when when uh wash left this uh this verse and when, uh, uh when when uh what was it the the <laughs> when his leaf fell to the ground when when his leaf was no longer winding around mm-hmm. yes uh so it even gave us a name emma washburn is the daughter of uh zoe and hoban so that is the the child character that and of course zoe mal has a target on his back from everything that happened with the Reavers and, and Miranda and everything. So it's a little bit too dangerous to be raising a kid around. So begrudgingly, 
in order to continue to get work and protect the kid, had to kind of step away. And Monty is a good friend that does a little bit more legit stuff. So why not jump on Monty's crew? He'd be happy to have her. And he's a big teddy bear of a man. So, yep. uh, you know, not a bad place uh, considering to raise a kid. As this is happening, basically the Blue Sun government that's controlled everything is trying to take out the last bastions of, of revolt against what they now have as control of like all of known like humanity. So they're trying to take out Mal. They're trying to take out all the, the brown coats and the people that resisted immediately after Miranda. That also includes Zoe. And so, although she's been out of the game for years, um, she has to jump back in uh, to protect her kid. And because th there's no hiding from it anymore. Yeah. And uh, so it's basically Monty and his like, super super hot asian wife that's super in charge of things because he's kind of a dummy so she's kind of the captain even mm -hmm. though technically he is she still kind of calls the shots the brains behind she's the, the brains behind the operation and uh and they've got a really loving relationship it's not like she's an overly controlling type he calms her down that's good monty deserves a wholesome relationship so it's kind of how hoban and and zoe were but flip-flopped where mm -hmm. where if wash was in charge and <laughs> and zoe was like kind of telling him how to do things you know so uh i i think so basically it's them kind of going through, you know, trying to basically run and, and protect, you know, the kid and, and their loved ones it, it kind of a grown up firefly where it's more about protecting the ones that can't protect themselves kind of yeah. thing, uh, which was part of the spirit of the original as well. But the thesis is still that you're, you know, you've got a ship, you got to get a job, you know, yeah, they, they are, they are moving around the universe, right? They're, They're still kind of doing the same thing. Uh, that's still, you know, big call for that. But, mm -hmm. the, and a lot of people have stopped doing it because things have settled down as far as they knew, but they're seeing now as people are starting to turn away from what happened 14 years before blue sun is getting a little bit more bold on how they approach taking care of the, the, yeah. the naysayers. So that's kind of where we stand nice. uh, going into it. And nice. yeah, there's a little more depth to it, but that's the, basic well, we can case. discuss more of that. I'm yeah, sure absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want to go into showrunners? Um, yeah, let's do showrunners. That's the serious take. And my funny take on the plot is basically that with one tiny little addition. I do have an addition to yeah, my funny okay. version, but I'll wait till we reveal my show. Oh yeah, absolutely. That. So, uh, so if you want to do your showrunner for your serious. Sure. So, uh, I, I went with the person who I think is maybe the best showrunner TV right now. He does Fargo and he does Legion. Ooh, Noah Hawley. Yeah, I just good. Think That's solid. I think he's got the right understanding of you know character dynamics and also weirdness. And he's done some weird sci-fi stuff, obviously, but I just think he can find this niche and replace. He can he can use what Joss Whedon made important about Firefly and do his own thing with it. Okay. I don't want I don't want just you know more of the same. I want, it, I want it to feel like it stands out, and especially because I'm doing the Alliance approach. It shouldn't feel the same exactly. Um, so, yeah. I mean, no, Holly, he's an he, amazing sh fucking showrunner. I think that's a really good choice for uh, for showrunner. I think, that, I mean, wildly intelligent shows that this yeah. guy runs. So, And you need that for this expansive of a universe. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, uh, and uh, that's the other thing. He, he has, like just a great like overall vision for how things connect. Yeah. How things interconnect, or, you know, whether it's small or big, uh, you'll, you know, you'll find a small thing in one episode that ends up in another episode as like a, an important mm -hmm. thing. And it just that interconnectedness, I think makes everything feel nice and like, like brought down to the, you know, the core mm -hmm. uh, story. Well, and it makes it rewatchable as well is mm -hmm. that you see all these things that were planted, seeds were planted early episodes that you never noticed. And, yeah. and then a thing happens and then you look back and see that it was, I mean, the seeds were sown well before you even took notice of it. Yep. That's that's incredibly important. That's what Joss did with the Blue Sun stuff everywhere. Yeah. Just laying those seeds down. 
Hands of Blue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my showrunner, I decided that because the main cultures that are incorporated in Firefly or the universe of is uh, kind of American Western culture and like Asian almost uh, kind of martial arts culture mm-hmm. a little bit as far as the action and also just kind of the tone. And I think the Western was explored a lot more in the original series Firefly. And uh, there weren't a lot of a lot of Asian characters in the original run. Uh, so I wanted to kind of explore the the Yang of Firefly by by really kind of delving a little bit more, still having those Western elements, but go more into the kind of the samurai stories, the martial arts kind of tone, a lot more Asian characters, uh, a little bit more of that that uh, Eastern tone to it. So no yeah. better than a, a director and uh, writer that has done really good things with both uh, that tone and also injecting humor into serious situations, uh, directed uh, The Host, directed uh, Snowpiercer, uh, and a, a number of other movies. Uh, Jun Ho Bong is the name of the director. Nice. Yeah. And it's very, if you've seen The Host or you've seen uh, Snowpiercer, it can be very dramatic, serious moments, but there's this like kind of absurd humor to it as well mm-hmm. that really, I think, fits in that Firefly universe. He, he does. He's really good at taking like a, like concepts that feel a little bit too silly, but making them work, like yeah. making you buy into them and just be like 100% there with it. Absolutely. Which I think Firefly is a weird concept. I yeah. mean, like I said, it's Horses and spaceships. It's just a really like silly thing, but that's that's a really perfect choice. Yeah, I nice. think that's going to be a, a nice way to put it. Where it's it's you still have got those Western elements. You've still got everything that made Firefly kind of special and have its own tone in the first place. But you incorporate just a little bit more of that Eastern philosophy, that Eastern tone tonality with it as well. Nice. So, yeah. So we going on at silly then? Um, yeah. Let's talk about our showrunners for uh, for silly. All right. So. Uh, Imagine Firefly, but done in the vein of what we do in the shadows with Taika Waititi. Okay. It's a bit of a mockumentary. (laughs) It's still on an Alliance ship, so you can put Taika talking. He's looking at a camera talking about, uh, well, I run this ship here, and uh, (laughs) we're we're out here keeping the peace. Yes. uh, You got a lot of brown coats out there. I don't care what other versions. This is the version I'm now supporting (laughs) is just a Taika Waititi joint (laughs) of uh, Firefly. Yeah. No, I'm I'm in. This makes complete sense. Uh, It just, uh, you know, it's it's tough because I was like, how do I not do the Orville if I'm doing like a silly show with an alliance? (laughs) And I I don't I don't I don't hate the Orville. I haven't I've only watched the first episode. I couldn't get into it, but I respect that people like it. Uh, But I wanted to do a comedy show that at least felt distinctive. And then I was like, okay, Taika Waititi. And then everything just fell into place for me. It's like, uh, all right, it's. That's mm. and unfortunately he's so good and Ragnarok was so good that I just want to make him do all the stuff all the time. Mm. But uh, that I mean there is talk about him doing the third Guardians movie. That would be I, I would love that. I think he's doing a What We Do in the Shadows show. Um, he is doing a What We Do in the Shadows show. Yes, um, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, and that has actually one of the cast members that I chose. Who's I, I'm so happy they're working together, but Matt Berry is in my cast. He played uh, the boss in the IT crowd. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. nice. Okay, nice, yeah. so, that makes sense. So uh, that's my silly pitch. Um, I I decided to go like full speed ahead, batshit insane for my uh, my funny pitch, and I figured that if we were to approach Firefly uh, a side series as almost like you would uh, if my if my real, if my my serious take on it was kind of like che- Frasier is to Cheers, where it's like taking a side character and ma- building a mm-hmm. show around that side character, which is kind of what I did. This is more 
Van Wilder to the rise of Taj <laughs> where it's it's not so much that it's it's a character that's developed enough to have its own run yeah but uh, uh but you're just like fuck it we need to capitalize on it so it's going to be there's going to be some recasting there's going to be one character that is the same actor in it and the rest is just like fuck it and it's a totally different tone and it's just like batshit insane and it's not believable and it's wild and I couldn't think of a better showrunner for that than Brian Taylor who was uh, one of the directors of Crank and Crank 2. He did uh, Gamer, oh, the movie okay. Gamer, and also wrote the for the show uh, Happy, that oh, is that's on... Oh, uh, where he, he's imagining the, the, the imaginary animal friend. creature. Yep. Yeah, imaginary friend. Yeah. And uh, also was the director of a little film starring Nicolas Cage called Mom and Dad that is on, uh, on Hulu right now. It is a weird take on the zombie genre, and it gets Nick Cage going full cage, mm-hmm. and it is wonderful, and it is batshit insane, and it is unbelievable in the best way. It's on Hulu, you said? I believe it's on Hulu, nice. yes. Yeah. Of all those things you said, I've only seen Crank 1, but Crank 1 is lovely. Crank 1 is lovely. Crank 2 takes it to another level it's entirely. Yeah, it is high voltage. Yeah, it is high voltage. It's danger, <laughs> danger, high voltage. Yeah. And it is so utterly batshit insane that... I caught myself when I first watched it just yelling what at the screen multiple <laughs> times through the movie because it just goes off on this like just this weird like meth level of of just insanity that is just so much fun. Nice. So I figured why not take Firefly in that direction. So the real the real difference between the two uh versions is that the Brian Taylor my funny take is going to be just like amazingly over the top acting. It's going to be just absolutely fucking nuts. Uh, It's going to be balls to the wall, just action, action, action the whole time. And uh, complete self uh, recognition of the craziness. And I guess you're sticking still to the Oriental side. So lots of over the top martial arts. Yes. Yes. Very much. Yeah. Lots of like wild martial arts. Perfect. Perfect. So so do we want to go into the cast now? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. So uh, you, you're, serious uh cast if you want to kind of break down who you had and you don't necessarily i didn't do names i did roles I that's thought fine there's you know everybody knows that you have a captain you've got a tech person you've got your pilot so i went through roles okay and for, i'll start with captain i think because that's he's the okay. guy who ties the ship together absolutely i went with for my captain the onion knight from game of thrones liam cunningham okay uh, so I, I just think that guy has like in that show he's very reserved he's always playing the you know i'm i'm the support guy Sure. But I just think he has like a kind of Patrick Stewart kind of gravitas to him. Okay. And so I thought he would be a really good character to play. You know, he cares. He believes in what he's doing, but then he also is willing to ask questions about it, which is kind of perfect for someone who I want to be questioning, you know, is what we're doing is the Alliance. In, is the Alliance. You know, yeah. Correct. I'm, yeah, I'm serving uh, he, in, in Game of Thrones. He serves um, the uh, the brother of. The Baratheon, oh boy, names. There's so many names in that show. But but he's you know, he's gotta be like, oh, I don't know about that fire lady, you know, she's she's a problem. And and he's just like he's he's torn between loyalty and you know, not and, and the fact that the people he's serving aren't doing what he wants them to do. And See, so like you were saying with Game of Thrones being a lot like Firefly where it's very immersive, the difference is that with with Game of Thrones, and this is where my version of Firefly is gonna be like Game of Thrones, where there's gonna be so many characters that just like Game of Thrones, where I'm like on season three, trying to watch through before the new season starts. And I'm like, oh, fuck, you were a person. Oh, fuck, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. You were somebody that was important at one point that I completely forgot about. You know, that there's so many characters that just fucking die or just they stop talking about. <laughs> you forget about half the half the uh, cast. By the a little blacksmith boy comes back in the middle of season seven. Yeah, he comes back. And oh, like, hey. oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> he's you, been what, on a boat. You for... were on a boat. Yeah. You were on a rowboat. 
just Rowan for like a season uh, or, or five seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, the, the important thing I think with any of like, it still comes down to having like, you know, the family bonding moments, whether you're on uh enterprise style Alliance ship or you're in the firefly, you know, uh, rough tumble side of it. You have to have those moments where they're playing, you know, with throwing the ball through the, the little metal girder in that mm-hmm. one episode or in Star Trek, you had them like playing poker and stuff. Yep. Like, I, I think those like small slice of life moments are the real key to like making these characters feel like they mean something to each other. And they, they're relatable to the audience yeah. as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You got to see what they're doing when they're not, you know, shooting their, their six pistols <laughs> in space. <laughs> It's not just balls deep and a hog going, woohoo, shoot, 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 shoot. <laughs> Maybe in your comedy version, but <laughs> my deli- Firefly meets deliverance. <laughs> oh, squeal like a reaver, boy. <laughs> there's there's banjos in both, so I guess that kind of works. More fiddles in Firefly. I'd yeah. Say. Yeah. That is, oh man, that that soundtrack too is. I, I don't think you can go. I don't think you can deviate too much from the core, the core soundtrack in Firefly. It no. has a very established. Sound. Absolutely, and luckily there is some uh, Eastern elements kind of incorporated mm-hmm. into the fiddle playing and stuff, so you can yeah. still definitely kind of play with that. Uh, uh, yeah, in your version, you almost have a call to play with it a little bit yeah. more. And I guess the Alliance has a few more horns in there when the, when they when you see the the Alliance city ships come up. Yeah, that does the. Yeah. Uh, so there, I guess there are some musical cues that we didn't see a lot of in the original, but they were there and we're both kind of going in directions where those could be more prevalent. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 Cause the music, of course, if anybody, I mean, the, the purest example is, uh, John Williams with the say star Wars soundtrack where it becomes an additional character. Yeah. I and mean, so uh, though Firefly is a little bit more subtle than let's say star Wars is with its soundtrack, it's still very important to, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, it, I, I think it's, it's, it's easy to call it subtle because it's kind of that laid back, you know, folksy music. Yeah. But I think it does so much to inform, like maybe it is subtle. I don't know. I just, but but when, when that, you know, take my love, take my land that comes on, it's like that, that doesn't necessarily feel subtle to me, but it is like, Oh, I'm comfortable. Yeah. Give me a tea. I'm going to sit back and, you know, (laughs) my, my country firefly watching mood. There we go. Throw your feet up on an ottoman, (laughs) kick back in your robe. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So that's the captain. Yeah. Who else do we have in your uh, cast of characters? Well, you know, let me go ahead and say I've got, so I did seven characters. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's run through. So I did, I have got the captain. I've got the pilot. I've got the muscle or the security chief, um, the chief engineer, the second in command, the science officer, or maybe medic, you know, maybe both. Okay. Um, And then the cowboy, the person who's going to be not a regular member of the crew, but they bring in to, you know, navigate these parts. Okay. Um, so do you want me to run through real quick? Yeah, on, let's on let's run through side, kind or? of our series and who you chose for and okay. for what reason, and then I'll uh, I'll kick in my series, and then we can start playing in the uh, playground that is the uh, dumbass ideas that we came up with. Sure. Yeah. Now, I, I don't have an like a, a firm idea for a lot of what these characters are necessarily going to be doing, but I picked actors that I thought would, would. Wait, wait! You didn't develop an entire side series on one of the most beloved properties of all time within a few days, right? Uh, right. That's that's I'm. But but I did I did want to think you know. I wanted characters that could play kind of the Alliance more proper side. These are inner world characters. They're not sure. all the same. So um, for my pilot, I went with Tessa Thompson. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. She, and she plays a little bit more official kind of character in Westworld, but she also is able to play in, in uh, have you seen, um, um, sorry to bother you. I loved that movie, that movie so, so deeply. Yeah. She has a very like, 
compassionate kind of Kaylee like quality in that movie well, where she's, she's nerdy in Annihilation is another movie that that's she's another been one. In. Yeah. So she has a huge range. Basically. Yes, absolutely. She's also a drunk, you know, warrior in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> so her range is just massive. But I thought she could do kind of a mix of that, like that quirky, like almost optimistic character in Sorry to Bother You, where she like cares about, you know, like, um, uh, genuine qualities you know she's mm-hmm. she's got the kaylee has a kind of genuine thing too but also the hotshot ace pilot um so it's a little bit of like the she's a little bit of a greenhorn she's you know she's like you know i'm gonna go out there and you know make a name for myself as a pilot sure. in, the, in the alliance she's and, a little uh, starbuck in the Battlestar reboot yeah yeah, yeah a little, bit a little of that. starbuck perfect um for my muscle i went with uh, a guy i haven't seen in a long time it took me a minute to think i wanted somebody who wasn't jane he wasn't big and tough and a little bit dumb i wanted someone who was big and tough and kind of reserved and thoughtful so I went with Mr. Echo, Adewale Akinwe Abjibagaba. I, I, I can't pronounce his name, and that was a terrible pronunciation. He was in Lost. He, uh, he, oh, he the big guy with the club. Yeah, um, he was great in that because he was. I mean, he wow, had, I haven't thought about him in forever. Right. He, I think he was maybe Killer Croc in Suicide Squad, but I haven't watched that, so I couldn't tell you. I watched it once, but I was probably watching through my fingers, not because I was scared, yeah. <laughs> uh, because it was that bad. So. Right. It's rough. It's rough. But as Mister Echo, he was fantastic, and also on that show for far too short of a time. Yeah. And but he had this like great kind of. Uh, wisdom like he had a wise experienced quality to him he looked tough and scary but he looked like you would you know do right by you kind of thing mm-hmm. as long as you were you know not being a terrible person yeah and so i thought he would be really cool as a security officer um you know um almost a more experienced dwarf you know he's okay he's he's calmed down and he kind of understands how to you know uh handle things um, <laughs> I'm going to save my chief engineer for last because that actually swings into my funny as well. Okay, cool. So my second in command, this is the guy who at the end of the series is maybe maybe going at odds with the crew. He's maybe a traitor or rather still loyal to the Alliance when they're questioning it. I went with Jesse Plemons, who was in Breaking Bad. Oh, he was yeah. The, um, he was the uh, kind of a redneck guy that, that joined the crew yeah. at the end and um, ultimately ended up kind of betraying them but also he was in um black mirror as the captain in their star trek episode correct yeah and i just think he has this great kind of matt damon light quality uh, yeah well there's that <laughs> he, he's he's really good at playing both like like subservient and sinister like in that episode he he of black mirror he had this you know he was kind of shy and at first you were sympathetic with him and then towards the end of the episode he, he got worse and worse and worse and like, he realized die yeah. why won't you die <laughs> yeah yeah and, and i just think i i feel like he would make the perfect you know he's the loyal uh click his heels alliance officer um who at the end just can't accept that the crew is changing their minds on the okay their loyalties um for my science officer i went with thandy newton Ooh, she's in yeah. uh westworld yep. um as uh mave and I, I just another actress with great range. Um, she, I really liked cranking up her intelligence in that when she got to boot, boost up her intelligence. Um, well, she comes with such a presence as well. Yes, like yeah. I mean, she carries this massive presence around with her. That I mean, any character that she injects that mm-hmm. presence into just becomes just uh, glorious. Right. And I, I liked. I wasn't sure if maybe I wanted my science officer to. Maybe have a little bit of that alliance, like we play with bad science attitude. You know? Okay. Like, maybe yeah. she's good. Maybe she's not. Um, you can keep it almost like the shepherd book where you're not really sure where she yeah, stands with yeah, it. Kind of yeah, thing. yeah, absolutely. Um, my cowboy, this is a fun one. Uh, I went with Pedro Pascal. Um, Pedro he was Pas- the red Viper in game of Thrones. Oh, he's yes. In uh, Kingsman Two, the golden circle. He plays. Yep. The, uh, he's kind of a cowboy in that. Yep. 
I just I wanted someone who could be kind of suave and charming, like like the crew is like, oh, why do we have this guy on here? But damn it, he's so charming. It's like you know? that <laughs> '70s like cop show thing. Where it's like, uh, damn it, I don't like how you do things, but you get results every time. You know, like <laughs> if you so, do it again, I'll take your badge. Right, that right. Kinda. Like you, you can't you can't be mad at him because even when he you know he he does things his own way, he gets it done right. So yeah. Um, Pedro Pascal, man, he's just so fucking charming. And the last one, I'll go, and I'll pass it back to you, so you can do some, you can, you can be a part of this podcast too. Absolutely. Um, my last one is the same in both. Okay. I've got <laughs> for my Noah Holly and for my Taika Waititi, uh, chief engineer, Jermaine Clement. Okay, because Jermaine Clement. Yeah. Yeah. I, so he's worked with both Noah Holly on Legion and with Taika Waititi, and mm-hmm. um, I just think uh, I. You know, you haven't seen him do too many serious roles. He's he's always a little bit goofy. I think he can be the quirky character, but still be kind of reined in enough that he sure. just even just being there, being a little quiet, maybe like Flight of the Concords Reserve, Jermaine Clement. Mm-hmm. He's he's got that awkward presence where he, he can seem really smart, mm-hmm. um, but be like, is this guy just crazy? And so, well, I think that really bleeds out primarily in in other things besides Flight of the Concords in Legion, where his yeah. character very much is just this like it's more the personality of the character than what he's actually saying that makes him crazy. You know, he yeah. just, he comes off as this very eccentric kind of very jovial and nice and approachable, but also just bizarre human right, being. Right. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> the, the reveal. I didn't know anything about Legion going in, which is yeah. great. I mean, I knew it was, you know, kind of tied to X-Men, but I didn't know enough. And then the reveal that Jermaine Clement was in it. Like when I saw him in that crystal palace, sure. I was like, what is going on? This is the best day of my in like life. like a set a white 70s suit. Right. That, that show just blew my mind, man. I I, I couldn't, I, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't expect it to be that smartly written where yeah. it did not give a shit whether or not the, the audience to was able up. to keep up or not. Yeah. Uh, they were like, you can rewatch it then. I mean, yeah. they did not pull it back at all. And I was so, it, it, that's what made the show. Right. It's just, just going for it. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, the, it's unabashedly stylized, but also like unrelentingly smart, and that's so damn good. Hell yeah! Uh, so yeah, that he's also in my si- my silly side, but I'm gonna throw it back to you. Okay, uh, we're talking about this is gonna be Monty and his crew uh, that are so, kind of traversing the after effects of uh, of what happened Serenity, with Miranda. Yeah, I mean, this is 14 years later, so a lot of the infighting and everything has kind of subsided and it's starting to get back to normal but it's gotten back to normal in a way where it's actually worse off than it was in the first place blue sun is pretty much in, in entire entire control of the government they're coming out for blood uh for zoe uh who's zoe who is now part of his crew and so you got two returning characters uh i've got two returning characters i've got uh monty who was originally played by frank ross i don't see any reason to he's still a working actor he still seems like and i saw pictures of him with a nice big beard and yeah. bald and it looks good like he he could definitely pull off that like kind of a little bit older, a little bit wiser version of Monty. That's still a big personality and will still like, I mean, rip your rip your head off if you uh, try to hurt anybody that he cares about. Yeah. So is there anything else I might have seen him in? Oh, he's in Better Call Saul. Oh, nice. Uh, if you've ever seen that and Breaking Bad as Ira, hmm. uh, which is a returning character. He let's see what else has he been in? He's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, just it's not been huge roles. Uh, we've got Breaking Bad. We've got Better Call Saul. We've got, uh, of course, Firefly. Uh, Medium. He was in one episode of Medium. <laughs> was that the like I can talk to ghosts? Yes, yes. He was uh, in three episodes of the Heroes, the TV series. Hmm. Uh, Deadwood. He was Lewis in Deadwood for three nice. episodes. Okay. 
So he's he is a TV wanderer. He is basically he's in Weeds. He was in Monk. Uh, he was a crackhead in a show called Special. He's in Malcolm in the Middle, Numbers, Star Trek Enterprise. I mean, he's yeah, he's one of those guys that he has little roles all over the place. So it'd be nice to give him like a real meaty, juicy role yeah. in this because I think he's a good actor. And uh, from what the little bit I've seen him in, so, so he's Monty. He's your captain. He's he's the captain, but he's definitely not the strongest character mm-hmm. on the ship uh that goes to his wife which this is a fun little like nerd easter egg thing his wife is lee shen who was mentioned in the serenity movie when they're talking about all the different people that they got to touch base with lee yeah. shen ran a mining company um that they hit up and you saw somebody dead by the receiver but it didn't specify whether or not that was lee shen so Monty was holding up with Lee Shen as, as everything was going down Man. and they ended up kind of because the mining company got fucked up. Basically, she rolled out with him and they and romance started mm-hmm. and and he was like this big kind person that she knew wouldn't fuck her over. And that was kind of what she needed at the time. And that right. developed in love. So so Lee Shen that was mentioned in Serenity ends up getting with Monty, who is in Firefly. That's some nerdy shit. I That's like some it. deep <laughs> fucking nerdy shit. Uh, so Lee Shen, I wanted a very strong not older, older, but like not young mm-hmm. uh, Asian actress. And I couldn't think of anybody better to play the role than uh, Ming-Na Wen, who is from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, she was the, thought, uh, okay. the, uh, the voice of Mulan in Mulan. I mean, mm-hmm. she's been in a bunch of stuff. She's fantastic actress. She's gorgeous. She's, I think, age appropriate for Monty. She's tough and smart. She's tough and smart. Yeah. And that's kind of the character that I want, where she's not going to take over the, the ship or anything or take control of the captain or anything. Does she also play the captain in the first episode of Discovery? No, that was, uh, oh, what's her face? Uh, Michelle Yeoh. Okay. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, I think, is in, in Discovery, which actually, that was one of the people I was thinking of for this role as mm-hmm. well, but I decided to go with Ming-Na Wen. Uh, then we've got, of course, uh, Zoe is played by Gina Torres. I'm not, I'm not going to recast that. Uh, actually, that is the same <laughs> in both uh, versions, because I just can't bring myself to recast Gina Torres, even in the shitty yeah. version. I, so, She's now Taj in Rise of Taj in my funny version. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I, so it's funny. like I've seen Gina Davis also in Lost. She was um, the she was she was a flashback character basically. But there's a show that she's in before Firefly. Cleopatra 2020. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's so bad. It is so unbelievably bad. It's amazing. The outfits are just so oh, like it's, over the top. It's tragic. I thoroughly suggest you check it out, listeners. Yeah. It is something to behold. Even watching like the trailer, little tidbits that you can mm-hmm. find on YouTube. I'm sure they're out there. I'll probably throw something on the notes for this episode because it's just, it's just, wow. There's a lot. <laughs> There's Glad a whole lot. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Gina Torres is the same. Then we've got Emma Washburn, which is the daughter of, uh, of Zoe and, uh, and Hoban. Yeah, this makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it is what it is. I decided uh, it was a young actress that I saw uh, briefly in the second season of a show. I was really taken aback by just how like charismatic she was for a young actress is a uh, uh, Priya Ferguson, who was uh, Lucas's sister in Stranger Things when oh, they started going into the family. Yeah, and it was yeah. like the smack talking like younger yeah. sister that was talking trash. I figured that that would be a good uh, I mean, it's. It's Zoe's kid, so she's going to be a strong-minded uh, young nice. lady. So yeah. I figured how, that. Was, how old is that actress? Uh, she's around eleven or twelve, so okay. she's right around the age group that it would be for. Um, for you could fudge uh, it a couple years usually. Yeah, I mean, within a couple years, it's not usually a big deal. they're 26, 38 year old actors. Anyhow, well, that's I was looking up like young actresses, and they were like, you know, they were naming actresses that are like thirty six, and I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> that's not a young actress. 
Um, d- tell me though, does she have? Is she like an ace pilot, like undiscovered? Is, does she have some sweet, serious wash piloting uh, skills? She's more like I think uh, physical okay. abilities. That she's not like a beast mode person, but she's like so agile. She's taking, she, a, she's taking after her mom a little bit more. Yeah, than a lot dad. more than a okay. lot more than their dad. She's she's definitely good with uh, with electronics though. There's going to be definitely stuff where you know. Oh, we can't get through the 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 you know air vents to get to the thing. Like, yeah. I can go, and she knows how to like unlock doors, and she's always getting into the hacking scene in Jurassic Park. <laughs> kinda, yeah. She's she's in a hijinks because she knows how to like hack doors and shit yeah. like that. So it's a little bit of both happening. Um, and then we've got uh, let's see, Zoe Lichen, Emma Washburn, Monty. Now we're going into the bad guys, which that was a lot harder because I basically had to kind of pull it out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did pull one character from the original series uh, and built him a very tiny, tiny, tiny Alliance character that I blew up to be much bigger. And that's a Lieutenant Womack is actually from the message when they have the little upstart dude that they were in the war with that has all the extra organs Mm -hmm. and the Alliance person that is coming after them. Yeah. That is doing like some organ black market organ stuff on the side that is kind of like a mercenary, but he's also an Alliance, uh, lieutenant i think uh, that's lieutenant womack and right. so i figured that was perfect for this kind of change in the tone of the government where now the alliance is basically the uh the foot soldiers for this major corporation that doesn't give a shit about what's right and wrong mm. it's completely about getting their way so of course womack is going to be blowing up at, at, in that kind of environment, environment where he's going to get more into like the guys that are in the know of the, that it's a puppet show with the uh with the all the politicians and it's basically these are the people that you need to pay attention to the politicians don't matter for shit that's hot that's hot so he's like deep in it and then one of the guys that is kind of telling him what to do and richard burgie is the the actor that played him originally in uh in firefly the guy telling him what to do is a completely made-up character uh admiral uh uh ray deer is uh the name of the character and that was i took um uh, Radare or something, which uh, was Chinese for something bad. Um, I forget what it was. But evil. Evil. But yeah, I was trying to look up Admiral something. Admiral Evil. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be played by uh, Tom Ellis, who plays Lucifer in the show Lucifer. I wanted somebody that was very charismatic and and very kind of paced with the way he speaks. Yeah. Uh, but also you can tell that there's some like diabolical shit yeah. happening as well you wanted a little bit of a little bit of mustache twirl but not too much mustache mm-hmm. twirl so i was kind of making uh ray deer to be kind of like the admiral thrawn in the star wars uh timothy zahn books yeah uh kind of that approach where it's very uh methodical in his approach to things is always like is a chess player with mm-hmm. this kind of thing and so i think uh tom ellis would do a good job then you've got basically evil river um, it's another girl from the program that River came from. Now she's older because she was around the same time that River was in there, so she's like an adult woman now. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. That's yeah, great. yeah. So and but this is somebody that never got out of the program, was completely programmed into being kind of the the psychic ninja uh, for the uh, for the Blue Sun Corporation. Um, and Yi is or Ye Ye is the name of the character, which is one in Chinese. Um, is is basically and so. I kind of want to introduce other characters similar to her, different levels of uh, ability, yeah, and but they're all known as one. I, I'm like gonna they, steal all of this for my show. For your show, yeah. <laughs> and I've got uh, Isabel Furman, who is a very lanky actress that uh, actually was the orphan in the movie Orphan, uh, the that movie about the evil orphan girl. 
I, I, I remember seeing posters for it, but I don't. Yeah, don't she's she's it. all grown up now, and she's uh very very pretty, very kind of. I wanted a similar kind of ballerina kind of looking uh, body type to kind of mirror Rivers a little bit with kind of a yeah. darker tone, and so she she really takes that on. She's got a very dark kind of a a very high contrasting uh, complexion with the the pale skin and the dark hair, and so kind of kind of a the BB9E versus BB8 version of like psychic chick mm-hmm. in Firefly. So that's um what I did there and that's uh that's all my all my uh real choices there. Man, I, I didn't think about villains at all. I mean, I kind of did, but I I, I was like I'm just going to focus on the crew. Well, it sounds like more the crew itself is going to be kind of going back and forth on villainy where they're kind of infighting a well, little bit. Yeah, you know, but you still definitely want your I was thinking about having Badger come back. I don't cuz I don't remember I debated on Badger. Did Badger too. ever come back after the first episode no he came back one more time to uh get him hooked up with uh for shindig oh yeah he came back for shindig right, because right. the guy didn't trust a minor him thing though yeah it was a very, very minor part um yeah that's interesting uh i i just wanted but I, I like the idea of like uh you know they they have things to do that are like genuine like we got to clean up the alliance we got to clean up bad people you know yeah. th- these are good people these these are you know essentially like they're out to do the right thing. Sure. But it's going to be questionable how to do the right thing. And it's kind of like, you know, how, how do we get around the prime directive? You know, it's yeah. Um, so that's great. I, I love that. I love, I love your pitch. Hell yeah. Um, All right. So now we're going into the goofy mode. Yeah. Of, uh, of this. So, uh, did you want to start on that or sure? I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll run through mine real quick. Okay. Um, obviously we already had, um, Jermaine Clement. He's my, he's my engineer guy. He's my, Absolutely. he's my, uh, technical mastermind. I, I'd love to see him just, uh, you know, being a kind of a almost autistic level, um, uh, really smart with machines kind of guy. Um, so captain though, uh, I went with Matt Berry, who's the boss in IT crowd. He's got this very, Yes, I'm in yeah. charge. We are. This is my ship, and he, almost a Kirkian quality, where too, where he's a little bit womanizing. Is at that times. the same guy that was in? Uh, he was in Snuffbox, and yes, uh, on what's the the hospital melodrama? Yeah, thing? Uh, Garth uh, Marenghi's Dark Place. Yeah, Dark Place. Holy crap. You're a woman, <laughs> and he also does the voice of the Eagle in Danger Five, Correct. I believe, as well. Yeah, as so always, I, kill Hitler. Yes, I yes, I'm well versed in this yes. actor. He's Matt fantastic. Berry is wonderful, yeah. and he just got this like he, it's. It's, it's, he's kind of chubby and not super attractive, but he always plays like manly, like out to get like, you know, like womanizing also sometimes successfully sexy uh, type of character. And so I wanted him as my like Captain Kirk take on, you know, the captain of this ship. Now, did he do much Mighty Boosh stuff? Because he feels like he was in Mighty Boosh. OK, I was about to say because he very much has that Mighty Boosh tone yeah. to his uh, acting. And I do I have no fielding in here as well. We'll okay. get to him. Um, so the, the other upside of having Taiko Atiti is that he's always in the shit that he does. Yep. And so I put him as my ace pilot. He's a he's he's a hotshot pilot out there <laughs> yeah. in the vest. I want to see it. He's, he's flying it. ships and uh, getting laid. And uh, <laughs> then we have uh, <laughs> as my muscle. My this this is this is a little bit more leaning into the he's a dangerous guy. Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords. So Brit? he's the smallest person Brit. in the yeah, show, he's a tiny but, man. but he's the, he's the guy you don't mess around with. And I just wanted a quiet, soft-spoken Brit as the uh, guy in charge of all the weapons. Okay. Uh, and, uh, almost the entire cast is from New Zealand, I think, or Britain. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, my second in command is Aubrey Plaza though. 
I wanted someone who could have that. Like Aubrey Plaza has that authority. She's you know very much. She, I need someone who could be the serious version of the leader. If 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 um if Matt Berry is the silly captain, sure. Aubrey Plaza is like the one who's like you really listen to her. We kind of had that uh, on mine as well, where there's like the kind of like teddy bear goofy mm-hmm. character, and then there's the, like uh what the fuck are you doing? Like yeah. we, we need to actually pay attention to this. I almost saw like a Ron Swanson, you know. Yeah. Um, Aubrey Plaza. I can't remember. Her name. I think of her as Aubrey Plaza and just about everything she's in. Yeah. Um. But she. I think she would be an amazing. She's amazing always. Anyhow. Yes. Um. My science officer is Richard Iowati. Uh. From the IT crowd, he's Gadget Man. Mm-hmm. He's 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 just quintessentially nerdy in like his his output. So he doesn't even have to do too much of a character. He can just be ah oh, yes and I'm you know just a super nerd. Um. This is gonna be like the Office meets Firefly. That's kinda. that's what I wanted. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted. And or IT crowd. More, imagine more. all these people having their asides, you know, to the camera. Aubrey Plaza just you know looking angrily at the camera. Uh, Matt Berry seducing the camera. Taiko Atiti chatting up the camera. Yeah. Um. All right. So my last one. I think you're gonna like this one. My cowboy is Noel Fielding. Nice. Uh, he's he's old Greg. He's he's always wearing <laughs> cowboy Greg. boots. He's always wearing cowboy boots, and I just loved the idea of Noel Fielding coming up and being, yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a rough and tumble cowboy. I got my boots, and uh, <laughs> then he you know he can he can guide him through space, and um, just yeah. I want this so deeply. I do too. Like that's the worst part of the show, though, is then when you when you hit a certain mark with it, where even when you're being funny, you're like, this isn't gonna work, but you're like. But it could it could work. Yeah. It could actually work. I, the the truth is is that this shouldn't be Firefly. But but this this cast in a in a space show makes so much sense. But the rules are this isn't Firefly, so they're also cowboys. Yes. <laughs> they're also just happen to be cowboys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Which I, I mean, maybe that's perfect, you know. I don't know. I, I would watch the hell out of this. Oh, I would one hundred percent watch that show. Absolutely. like I would not even wait and watch the D V R of it. I would make sure I was home when it came out. So I could watch it, which is rare nowadays. I DVR everything. Yeah, there's there's only a few shows. Like I mean, I, it's Game of Thrones and Rick and Morty, and l- the last week tonight are the, like the three shows that I watch when they are released. I, I got the Good Place as well. If if I get a chance that I'm home, I, I, I definitely to try to watch. It's great. It's yeah. incredibly smartly written. I so. hate that I know a big twist. I like I like I found out about a certain reveal. Oh, okay. And it's like, oh, I wish I didn't know that. You yeah, know? because but, I didn't going into it, and when yeah. that twist happened with, that you're talking mm-hmm. about, uh, yeah, it was like, what? Yeah. It was great. It was but absolutely perfect. I, I I didn't know much about it until I like I, the, when I heard about it. I heard about the twist basically. So, anyways, okay, let's get into the Brian Taylor version of uh of what I am calling Blue Sun is the name of the series. Oh, nice. So nice. it'll kind of carry it through where that's. The kind of inner working storyline is what's happening with Blue Sun taking over like the it. government. And I, I guess I can say as an aside, I, I named mine after a ship model as well. I thought, okay, they had like, you know, Firefly class, that's sure. also Firefly. So I, I looked at the two types of alliance ships that had names, and it was um, Longbow and like Trebuchet. It's like, okay, so they named their ship after weapons. So I went with Gladius, which is kind of like, it's a Roman weapon. It's like sure. the fall of the Roman Empire. You sure. Know? This yeah. is the alliance about to fall apart. So okay. it's like a little nod. Wink, wink, and Gladius push. does sound a little spacey too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that works. I guess what, what's the, there's a what's the space a Galaga maybe I don't know. I feel like there's another, there's another game that has that sounds a little bit closer to Gal- Gladius that is like a I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm it, off on a it's fine. Yeah, no. Uh, we got Brian Blue Taylor's Sun. Brian Taylor's uh, Blue Sun is uh, what we're looking at now. Now I definitely this is 
very much like a machismo driven over the top absolutely ridiculous all the girls are hot all the dudes are tough you know the kind of approach to thing so everyone's jason statham so basically well there's actually no jason statham in this i uh i was thoughtful about that and was like nah we're not gonna do that that's too too expected um but i did definitely with monty do the whole like peewee's big adventure thing where there's peewee and then there's the movie version of peewee where Mm. he's like way more suave and he's like got a deeper voice and you know the movie version of him later on Mm. at the very end so monty who was played by frank ross and was this big teddy bear kind of dumb guy that's kind of a a so-and-so uh played by josh brolin so he's just gonna be like toothpick sticking out of his mouth just like muscle man kind of version of monty so the real the real josh brolin actually because josh brolin is a teddy bear in real life yes yeah yeah. but no kind of doing the cable version of of josh brolin (laughs) but the character normally is more the real life josh brolin Mm -hmm. yeah i see what you're saying yeah then of course zoe is gonna be played by gina torres because you just cannot recast her she's got to play the character she's just gonna be a lot bigger yeah and she fits the sexy action oh yeah she's she's good on that mark as well so um, then Emma Washburn is uh, Millie Davis, who uh, played uh, Gemma in Orphan Black. Oh, okay. Uh, so she's a great actress. I, I think the, her curly hair, because she has really curly hair, would really work as being like Zoe's daughter. Okay. So And, and also just good actress for, for her age. Uh, Lee Shen, the, like, the sexy Asian kung fu fighting wife, uh, I went with a stereotypical uh, like action character that was also in crank two by Ling is a uh, she... crank two. Unfortunately, so by Ling has been in everything um, that we were just talking last weekend. We did an apocalyptic and dystopian movie marathon. And one movie that I brought was called the gene generation, which is this like terrible, like, I mean, not even good, terrible, just flat out terrible, like cyberpunk post-apocalyptic dystopian film with like the industrial band combi christ in it and it's just, <laughs> and Bai Ling is in it uh but her boobs are out so, so is like, she like a dc uh, not dc but like c movie d movie kind of like usually she'll she'll poke her head into like b and a movies occasionally as just a small character but she's been in a ton of stuff mm-hmm. um if you saw a picture of her you go oh her okay yeah, so um Bai Ling is just kind of one of those characters you're like yeah of course she's in it that's fine is she bilingual? Uh, probably in this universe. In this universe, actually, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, then Lieutenant Womack, who was actually played by Richard Burgey in the TV series. Of course, we're going to recast. And no better to recast than the star of Mom and Dad uh, that was directed by Brian Taylor. Lieutenant Womack as the, like, balls to the wall, like, take no prisoners, like, mercenary type allied person, Nicolas Cage. Oh, <laughs> Just Nick Cage, some Firefly. Oh, God. As the kind of drugged up alliance. Commander. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm thinking more like the Nicolas Cage from like um, uh, Bad Lieutenant yeah. know, level. Mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage is like, oh, I get up. You know, it's like wired for sound and just rolling after these guys. Quick aside on Nicolas Cage. I did just watch Mandy recently. And holy shit. I love that movie for him. Um, oh Mandy yeah oh it's so good I love how reserved you know he's such a a background character for the first half of the movie and just you know that then there's that transforming scene where he's in the bathroom and he's just raging out in the bathroom oh my god just chugging the liquor and yeah uh, actually how I arrived at Nicolas Cage is I was thinking about 
about getting that director to direct the Firefly series. Oh man, but, but Panos Cosmatos, yeah, that his name, uh, something like that. It's, it's ridiculous. That's his real name too. Yeah. it's not even like a like a fake name that he made to be a director. That's his birth name. Jesus. So he was just born to do this. Yeah, really, the born to do acid trip movies. And that's the thing. I was trying to think of how I would even cast that kind of movie, and I'm like, I don't have that kind of like mental power to mm-hmm. really develop that. But then I was thinking Nicolas Cage, and then I was thinking about recent movies, and that's how I ended up with Brian Taylor as my nice. my funny, is actually coming from Mandy. Okay. Because I was just so utterly impressed with Mandy. And uh, I still have not seen Beyond the Black Rainbow, which is his first movie. It's cool. I bought I've, it. I've yeah. heard that it's really fun. I need to check it out. I mean, it's 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 less... Um... There's less of a like a like a the plot is harder to follow. It's more abstract. Okay. Um, but the stylization is still the same. It's like full tilt. Like here's here's um ten minutes of nothing but interesting images to look at. That is kind of telling you an emotional story, but not necessarily like a coherent. Okay. You know, it doesn't have the kind of grounded revenge plot of Mandy. So okay, it's worth watching though. 100%. No, I'm definitely going to check it out. I've heard uh, really good things about it. So. Uh, the next uh, person on the list is Ad- Admiral uh, Ray Deer. And this is a actor that both has worked with Joss Whedon in the past and has also worked with Brian Taylor. Um, I believe it was uh, Gamer that he was in, though I can't be for sure. Uh, Anthony Stewart Head, who was Giles in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yes. oh, so I good. believe was in the movie Gamer. And he was definitely in one of Brian Taylor's movies, but I think it was Gamer. And so uh, him being the like, cold calculating like evil british um uh, you know uh admiral is kind of perfect i love him in buffy i love him in repo repo he's so good in repo mm. and i i knew that he could sing but just actually him being able to just do it yeah. is fantastic and uh then finally uh e or one uh, in in chinese however that's pronounced uh i wanted to go with a bombshell type you know kick-ass lady that you know uh was a experimented on as a child and became a super assassin. Tom Cruise. And since uh, she has stated that she will not be part of the Marvel uh, Netflix universe uh, moving forward or play the same character. JJ. Uh, Deborah Ann Wohl is the actress uh, oh, who played uh, Karen Page. Karen Page. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Does she? So I've only seen the first like season and a half of Daredevil. Does she like do action? scenes uh, she does like i know she has like some small like yeah, self-defense not, scenes. i would not super action i mean there's definitely parts where she's you know fighting and stuff but it's more of a kind of a a sleuthy kind of mm. detective-y kind of approach yeah. that she has to things but um she was a badass killer vampire in true blood as well and uh, oh, she just okay. has the body type to be the the like tall vixen hmm. crazy killer type and how Brian Taylor does his action sequences doesn't necessarily need it to be right. like a crouching tiger hidden dragon level of uh of like quality they sure. can they, they it, can be it can be rough and tumble mm-hmm. kind of version as well so I th- I think she would just be a fun casting in that type of uh was that your last character uh, that was my last character yeah so I'm curious because you have like some clear villains and this is like an action set piece like which of these characters are going to match up against which villains for the big final fights ooh uh well. I figured for against Yi, the the you know experimented on a, assassin psychic uh, Ming Na Wen or Li Shen, it would be the proper mashup there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course the big burly dude uh, Frank Ross going up against uh, Lieutenant Womack um, or the you know the no no rules mercenary type yeah, character would work. And then um, Zoe going up against. Uh, Admiral Ray Deer um, being kind of like at the end of Serenity where 
Mal goes to like save the day and mm-hmm. do the thing where where even though you've got another female badass on the ship and there is going to be some headbutting between the 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 wife and mm-hmm. you know Zoe who's used to being second in command that really isn't now yeah and not really knowing how her role incorporates she's the most driven of all the characters on the ship so she is the one that sees kind of the bigger picture more than anybody else does and knows kind of the next step to take yeah. and has like a combination of all three has the intelligence has the the physicality but also has the um the drive to know how to incorporate all of those so she's right. going to be the one fighting uh the big bad admiral, admiral radier anthony stewart head anthony stewart head uh, or tom ellis depending on which sure. version that you do yeah oh, right right yeah I-, I love anthony stewart head so much i could see him in either one to be honest and then um, uh, Emma, the the daughter, uh, there's just going to be some fucking side character. It's a kid. I'm yeah. not going to like make the kid get strangled to death or something and then have to fight out or something. She, she, so. can, she can fight a bunch of Reavers. Or she gets in like the turret thing like uh, Luke did in A New Hope. Oh, and he's nice. like, I'm firing lasers. Wee! <laughs> you know, and that's his I big, killed a guy. I killed a guy. Woohoo. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, real quick, uh, the, the, the fight where Mal does go after the operative, man. I don't, the Serenity is not a perfect finisher for, for Firefly to me, but that operative the actor who plays the operative is great. Uh, Shewatel Ejiofor. Yeah, he's yeah, wonderful. I love him. He's a fantastic actor. And the the small there was a moment where where I think Mal alludes to the fact that he had that nerve cluster removed beforehand, mm-hmm. and then that that moment where he just like spins that for the fight. Oh, it's so it's, cool. Oh yeah, such a Mal glorious. And, and then the uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm a fan of all seven deadly sins, but right now I'm gonna have to go with Rat. Oh, such uh, a good line. Such uh, a good line. Just gushing. All right, I apologize. No worries. Uh, we are at our mashup part of the episode now we uh we asked earlier on our social media for a couple ideas on other properties to incorporate into the firefly universe stuff that you, how we would the question is how we would incorporate mm-hmm. it into so we uh, we got a couple ones here from uh, from listeners um our friend kt who was actually a very early guest on like one of the the teens episodes mm-hmm. of gui uh suggested duh buffy the vampire slayer uh, that's that's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Now, being a, a massive fan of both Firefly and just all Joss Whedon proper, properties in general, I know that there is actually a book, a comic book that he did called Frey, that is the Slayers in the future of the year like oh, 3000 <laughs> or something, where the Slayers going into the future. And um, the thing that carries on from Buffy to Frey is the axe at the tail end of Buffy the Vampire oh, Slayer nice. that they get that has like the stake on one end and the yeah. axe on the other and that's like the thing that's passed along from each Slayer. And uh, so there's definitely tie-ins between Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the comic books and Frey in the comic books where they cross over and time travel and stuff. Nice. And so you could definitely use Frey as kind of an in as Frey as part of this post-Earth universe. That's, that's absurd, but legit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like why, you're already mixing up sci-fi and Western. Why not throw in a little bit of vampire hunting too? You, know? you can even do that. Part of the things that they used is um, genes from Slayers in order to incorporate into Rivers, Rivers, uh, or, Rivers yeah. stuff or, to or, give or her, the, the, yeah, to give her the super strength and stuff. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, so she's like, I, I don't know, like a a synthetic Slayer, basically, is what you would push. And then we could finally have a musical episode of Firefly where the music <laughs> demon comes in and everybody has to sing. I am. I'm not even being sarcastic. I'm 100% down for that. I would 100%. I don't need an excuse, really. They could just, no. they could just, if they just get all the cast together and just do a musical. Where's, where's Dr. Where's Dr. Horrible Sing Along Blog 2? Where, where, all they would, on? you know what? Because you don't even need to try hard. It's almost like 
the excuse of getting rid of X-Men 3 and Origins Wolverine where it's like, I don't know, time travel. But it's like, cool. Yeah. And you just forget about the specifics of it is, oh, on this moon, everybody sings. And they're like, cool. <laughs> and that's it. That's literally all, I, all you have to do. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're singing. And then you're good. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> I, I would die to hear Nathan Fillion sing again. <laughs> It definitely would be, and if you could incorporate Doctor Horrible sing along blog into that as well, oh man, where he created a, a time up. ray, yeah, that got them into the future. That horse has been sent into the future, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the villain for the season. It's Bad Horse. That's oh, that uh, is horrible. Oh, oh. Uh, the other one, and I had to fight with uh, with Vermin over this. Uh, one of our listeners, he keeps always suggesting that we incorporate the show taxi into all of our episodes. And I kept telling him that it cannot always be taxi because there's only so much you can do with a TV series from the 1970s that literally like nobody in the age bracket that watch listens to this show remembers except like the old timers um, that are listening because nobody remembers that fucking show. I barely remember that fucking show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so no, we're not incorporating taxi. He went with it's always sunny. Oh, (laughs) and I feel like that's, you can basically just have that crew uh, from It's Always Sunny in that bar that they visit once a year on right on, on, on uh, or uh, reunification reunification day, day yeah. uh, that that's like their one time where they know they're going to make a lot of money, but they right. always worry about having to pay out more money to replace all the furniture. And what's their scheme to like, oh, man, that's that's hot. I could I could see that uh, that some of them dress as brown coats and some of them as alliance to try to like get them to out drink each other oh, that, on that, contests or actually, something. That almost sounds like a thing where it's like, you know, like one of them has a really great idea. And it's like, and we're going to, you know, be the alliance. And then the other's like, no, 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 we want to do our own thing, you know? And so like Charlie and Mac or Charlie and Frank, maybe no, no, it's Charlie and Mac. They're the brown coats. And then, uh, uh, Frank and Dennis all go off and be, and then the black screen is like the gang starts a revolution and it's that they actually restart <laughs> they the, the, the war. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's... <laughs> <laughs> or they just start picking on each other because there's, I don't know, like a Alliance Brown Coat beer pong tournament that's happening within the bar. Mm. And uh, yeah, and that spreads into this full on like resistance fighting again. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I dig it. Uh, so those are the two that we're going to do on this one because, oh God, um, that's that's what we've got. So, Oh, do you want to hear my mashups? Oh, you got mashups. Yes, I'm absolutely. Some, well, absolutely. so actually, here's, here's where I was at. I was like, you know, I made a show that was strictly not Cowboys in Space. It was the it was the, the, the tight pants people in space. And uh, I wanted to get my, my, my cowboy fantasy in it. So I was like, you know what? This, is, this isn't even that like splashy of a matchup. I just like, if I were to see some more stories in Firefly, I want my favorite Western, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, just in space. Just just throw that out there and, and have the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid story in space. The other one I thought would be really fun would be, I want the equivalent of Breaking Bad told in space in the Firefly universe. Just, uh, you know, you can have your, your drug lord going up against Blue Sun. With and, space drugs. Yeah, with space drugs. No, that's, that's all I have. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> I just want to see those stories in space. I, it's kind of like, the, the, the way I feel about Star Wars right now, where they keep doing, you know, big stories with big characters. I just want small stories about side people, you know, doing their thing in the Star Wars universe. Like, I want to see, a, I want to see like a, a smuggler who's just trying to live his, live his life in Star Wars. Not, I don't need another Han Solo movie, you know? That's fair. Although I did enjoy the St- Han Solo movie. It wasn't not I by any stretch it. perfect. <laughs> uh, it's got its problems for sure, but it's, I mean, it's, it's fun. I mean, you know, apart from the issue of replacing Harrison Ford, um, I, I, I just want, there's so many, so much potential for storytelling in that universe. And they keep circling back to the same core characters, core ideas. 
And I think why not just make up some new characters, man? Yeah, like, like give some give some writers some agency. And that's say, why when Ryan Johnson they were talking about giving giving him his own trilogy that was away from yeah. the Skywalker I was saga, I was excited. And now they're talking about possibly not doing it, and it, and I'm thinking that's where he would shine. However, you've heard about the Mandalorian, right? Yes, and, and you I'm, know who's the Mandalorian? Yes, it's Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal, my yeah. cowboy. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> it's perfect. Now I do have one more mashup that I uh, I need to mention as well because this is one that I was going to bring up, and then it was brought up by one of our listeners, uh, Matt Donahoe, suggested the fourth era Doctor Who uh, incorporated the uh, the Tom Baker Doctor Who stopping by for a visit, stopping by for a visit, which I mean. Doctor Who is one of those mashups where literally anything that we do right. on the show, you can incorporate Doctor Who. Yeah. It's it could be whatever. And it, you could do a Notting Hill remake and you could find a reason for Doctor Who to show yeah. up. So I mean it's it's utterly perfect. And also imagine just a nice side episode that isn't really pivotal to the plot of the series where a fucking TARDIS shows up and helps uh helps the crew fight Reavers, you know, and and figures out like a kink in their armor that they can use mm-hmm. later in the series as a thing that actually, you know, a, a frequency that they, that makes all the Reavers like freak out or something like that, uh, that, that the doctor himself is the one that comes up with it. And then it becomes part of the canon of the rest of the series nice. would be fantastic. And also just Tom Baker going off of, uh, like Malcolm Reynolds or, uh, or any of the like characters like Mal, the, the like strong, like imagine Ming-Na Wen uh, as, as uh, Lee Shen with goofy Tom Baker just goofing around and her being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is going on right now? I think would be a lot of fun. I, I want to see a sonic screwdriver interacting with, uh, with some, some good Western machinery too. Well, sonic, screw- sonic screwdrivers do not open wooden doors. So there could be even a thing where it's like, oh, this is way more effective on Alliance ships. You know, where <laughs> nice. like when they're out in the old West, it's like, this yeah. is, is basically useless until they get on Alliance ships. All this and rudimentary like, technology they're using out here. Yeah. Just I, I, I'm, I'm useless out here. What is this? Some mud planet? Yes. This is what we do. Yeah. We actually we it's stack just, mud. It's just stacking mud. That's literally <laughs> all we do. And drink this milk alcohol. Oh, right. Uh, uh, mother's mother's milk. milk. Mother's milk. Mother's yeah. Milk. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, Doctor Who you can really make into anything, and it would be just better for it. I think. You know, it's I. I have not watched the newest season of Doctor Who. I, I fell off during Capaldi, and I really want to go back. But now I hear that the newest Doctor's leaving already. Oh, she leaving already? Yeah, I thought they were doing another season with her. Maybe. I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm behind. I don't. I watched some of that series, and uh, she's not the problem. It's the writing. Um, I think that, she does well. Uh, well, that's the problem with Capaldi. Capaldi was too. the same I liked issue. Capaldi, yep. and I, but the writing was like it was like slapsticky and just it didn't have the the charmy silliness. Yep. It was like dumb silliness. Yep. And it really Agreed. hurts. Really hurts. And we'll get more on that on our uh, Doctor Who episode of Smack My Pitch Up, oh, where man. we cast a new Doctor. But oh god, that, that's exciting. That that's would exciting. be fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let, let's get into our final part of this episode, which is our narration. Okay. Where we're gonna pick out a theme, music theme, to play in the background, and we just kind of ad lib the trailer for whichever version you want to yeah. do, whether it be the funny or the serious version. So, uh, did you want to go first or second? Um, gosh, I'll go first. I'll okay. Go first. Um, let's pick out the music. Yeah. Listeners. This is, uh, this is Joe doing his, uh, trailer for you're calling it. What is it called again? Your version? Gladius. Gladius. So this is the trailer for Gladius. After Earth at Was could no longer carry humanity, the Alliance brought us to the stars, providing homes, peace, and rule of law. The mission of an Alliance ship is simple. Keep the peace. 
Starring me, Taika Waititi, Matt Berry, Brett McKenzie, Jermaine Clement, Aubrey Plaza, Richard Oyawati, and Noel Fielding in Gladius, a ship journey across the stars, fighting cowboys and reavers and all sorts of unsortly types. Join us on TBS Tuesdays. Join us. You had to add that last little bit. That's what got me right there. Holy shit! I I, I couldn't. I, I lost track of what a, what a New Zealand accent was right away. But I just went with something that was nothing. That reminded me very much of like the Firefly version of uh, what was that show of that company in Superhero Land where there are all these superheroes in the city and they have to come up with like products. And Alan Tudyk, I believe, was in it. Actually, oh, where they were like they were like cleanup crew, right? Kind of. Did it, that actually come out? Um, well, there was damage control, but that hasn't come out yet. There's oh, the other okay. one. One is Marvel and one is DC. It doesn't matter. Okay. But basically, it was a shit show. It was oh. terrible. But what was fun? It was it was taking kind of like a kind of a fun comedy approach to this like right. super not a comedy indie comedy kind of thing. So I saw the Taika Waititi version, and it's just way better. Man, yeah, I'm I'm hungry for this show. Yeah, I think it needs to happen. <laughs> Taika Waititi presents <laughs> a Firefly universe show. Um, mine is not going to be nearly as good as yours. Uh, I did not uh, think this through. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. I am uh, going to be doing my funny one as well because that's just more fun to do. So mine is the Brian Taylor basically crank two meets Firefly is what I'm uh, what I'm looking at. So here we go. Everything seems quiet on the Western Front as Monty and his wife Li Shen sail the stars in search of work, in search of love, and in search of friendship. This fall, join us on a new series taking place in the verse that you came to know and love in Firefly and Serenity as Monty and Li Shen take on Zoe and Emma Washburn as boards through the treacherous planets that exist in the world of Firefly as they fight uh, the evil Blue Sun Corporation that has taken over the government and their their right-hand man, Admiral Radier, played by Anthony Stewart Head, and uh, attack dog, Lieutenant Womack, played by one Nicolas Cage, as they fight the uh, forces of good for the heart of the universe. Joined by Ling as Lee Chen and Millie Davis as Emma Washburn as they fight alongside Gina Torres as her classic Zoe Washburn character and Josh Brolin as Monty. This fall, Brian Taylor's Blue Sun. Thank you for the assist there. That was uh, that was very much appreciated. <laughs> so that seemed more like it was directed by the guy that did Old School. Uh, is what kind of movie that would be? <laughs> so uh, I hope we uh, didn't do too much damage to your uh, love of one of the most beloved sci-fi shows of all time. Uh, we of course are doing this all in jest, as we say every episode. Is that this is not. I was saying that it needs to be remade or well, I think in this case I totally am down with no, a side I, I think side series. If there's anything that does need a, a continuation, it's Firefly. I mean, and even if it's not necessarily the same characters, that universe is so expansive. You you have plenty of series worth mm-hmm. of shows that take place in that universe. I mean, you pick any any you know 
that there's there's so much more working class type of characters to look at. You know, you could focus on like a, a moon, you know, or yeah, go bigger or whatever. You know, focus on blue sun. That, that's huge. And great. with with the advent of the multiverse shows and and movies, I mean, this is a perfect property to kind of take control of that. You can have a Facebook series that takes mm-hmm. place in the Firefly universe, and then a Netflix series, and then something that's network that's a little bit more approachable to kids and then like a hardcore movie that takes place that's about the reavers or the or the war between the alliance and the brown coats or there's so much that can be done here and it's already got a fervor of a fan base uh, surrounding it i haven't had my space opera fix since firefly like well farscape was i guess ending around similar time 2003 maybe but there hasn't there's been space shows but they've never they haven't been the thing that i was looking for battles galactica was very good but it was not not like I, I the the shows I grew up with were that like one shot a week you know sure. here's a story that's like it, it, it's not always wrapped up tightly but it's wrapped up with character growth and I've been actually surprised with that aspect of the Orville uh, yeah the, it, it's not it's not to the degree that you're talking about that you you're looking for but it's still way better than I expected the biggest problem I have with the Orville is that I like the show except for the comedy which is a weird thing like <laughs> I, I I don't love Seth MacFarlane but I don't hate him either but. I almost am like, this is so close to Star Trek. If they had just made Star Trek, I would be so happy because I think it's especially because I'm just so mad about Star Trek Discovery being so different. Which that premieres this week. I think actually as we're recording this, I think it's uh, premiering. With their very angry Spock and their very angry end of the world figure, (laughs) Red Angel coming in to be save the universe or everybody dies in Star Trek. That's the place for that apparently. Yeah, clearly. Um, No, this ain't your daddy, Star Trek. (laughs) It's it's rough, man. This is I want for to a streaming to, service that nobody actually has, Star Trek. I want, I want to go back to a simpler time in space with horses and, <laughs> and men in bonnets. <laughs> Try fire time, Firefly Time Lemonade <laughs> for the simpler times in your life. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers <laughs> the, uh, the reunification. <laughs> <laughs> I think Pe- Pepperidge Farm remembers might be the uh, title of this episode, actually. Mm. Coming in right at the tail end there. Um, I also want to give a... A uh, reminder to our listeners that we have merch for sale, not only just for Smack My Pitch Up, but any of the shows on the network, including also inside jokes from episodes, uh, shirts specific to uh, different people on the network. Uh, we've got even uh, just really cool designs done by members of the uh, of the shows or just regular panelists. And uh, all of that's available through our T Public site. Best way to go check that out is to go to gypodcast.com slash store. And there's a link to our T Public page right there. Uh, we have intermittent sales throughout uh, each month. So we're going to have stuff, you know, 20, 30% off here and there. Uh, we'll try to announce that stuff on our social media. So definitely follow us on our social media, hit up uh, geeks under the influence or smack my pitch up on Facebook. Um, we smack my pitch up is just kind of leaning on a lot of the GUI stuff besides our Facebook page uh, because I run both and it's exhausting and it's a lot of work. So uh, you can definitely check out stuff by following smack my pitch up or, or, uh, or which is uh pitch smacked if you look that up on uh on facebook is where you find us that way and uh or geeks under the influence also uh you know let, let us know what you liked about our previous shows or what you want to hear in the future you can head up the geeks under the influence hotline number at 804-505-4484 it's 804-505-4gy ask for daddy ask no don't do that <laughs> ow <Ugh. laughs> No, I just saw a thing online recently that apparently Alton Brown says daddy a lot on, uh, on, uh, was it chopped that he's on? Uh, no, he's, he's on, he's not on chopped. That's, that's another guy. No, um, um, on whatever show he's on. 
where he's like daddy like a oh, lot. Oh, Cutthroat Kitchen. Cutthroat Kitchen. And also, apparently, he's got spreader bars that he makes people wear on a regular basis. So. I struggle with Alton Brown because I just found out he's kind of an asshole in person. I can kind of imagine that, but yeah, a lot of people he's... are determining that he might be actually just like a, a Dom daddy in real life because of how he's. Uh... All right, I'm coming back around on Alton Brown yeah, now. Right? <laughs> You're like, oh, see, that makes sense now. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it, listeners enjoy thinking about that. And uh, definitely. Uh, subscribe and rate us on iTunes and uh, also, you know, anywhere that you can subscribe and uh, rate for a podcast, wherever all your podcasts are caught. Carve five-star ratings into the sides of uh, buildings and bathroom stalls. Just scream out your side window as you're driving down the interstate how much you love Smack My Pitch Up. (laughs) Um, And then people will misunderstand what you're saying and possibly get you in a fight. So that'll be fun. Smack him five times in the face. Yes. Five out of five smacks. Five out of five smacks. That's that's how we rate this thing. Uh, We'll see you guys here next time for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I am Mike the Hobbit Bicket, and you just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? (laughs) Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.